Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard, and I am really excited to have with me today my fiance, David Pincus. We did this once before where we did an episode together, the very first episode, as a matter of fact, and it was so much fun, we thought we'd do it again. But actually, there's a greater purpose behind that, and that is that one of the issues that comes up repeatedly with chronic illness and that I see on many of the message boards and support groups that I'm a part of is dating with chronic illness. And a lot of people don't know what do I tell people and when do I tell them and is it, am I going to be enough and am I worthy and all of these questions that come to mind and I just wanted to bring David into the fold here so we could talk about our experience with dating and his experience with dating me as a person with chronic illness. So earlier in my journey with chronic illness, I did some dating and it was not always fun or pleasant. I would be very open with guys about my situation and my symptoms and things, and they would seem to have no problem with it because I think when they looked at me, they saw somebody that looked super healthy and fit and put together on the outside. But then came that time when maybe they'd see me on the verge of passing out or crouching on the floor trying not to fall over or doubling over in pain or calling them from the emergency room and then all of a sudden things became really real and many times a little too real and that's when I got ghosted which is if you're not familiar a modern term for when you're dating and someone just all of a sudden disappears like a ghost so that happened to me a number of times yet I still held out hope and boy am I glad I did because David and I met on Tinder of all places and actually we're now engaged. So Tinder can work, folks. It is not just a hookup site, (laughs) regardless of its reputation. And I shared with David about my illness very early on. As a matter of fact, our first telephone conversation, I very openly shared that with him. And I'm going to bring David on now to tell us a little bit about what were your thoughts when I first told you about my situation, David. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, David. I'm uh, really grateful to be back. Thank you. And happy to be on this side of the microphone. What was I thinking the first time you told me that? It was probably about an hour into our first phone conversation, maybe 45 minutes into our first phone conversation, which was about two hours long in total. And this was after a bunch of texting in the Tinder app And then we finally exchanged actual cell phone numbers (laughs) and texted that way. And I, I think I was impressed with how forthcoming you were. I didn't know what dysautonomia was when you mentioned it. So I did talk to a physician friend of mine later that evening about it and looked it up just to know what I was going to be getting into, um, hopefully, because you sounded great and everything else about you seemed fantastic. And everything else about you is fantastic, and including that. Like, you are fantastic in total. Thank you. So I think I was impressed with your openness, honesty, and you weren't using it to define you. You just said it was something you had. It was like, not really nonchalant, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, you didn't, you didn't make it into this, like, overwhelming, oh my goodness, like, how are you going to cope with it? It was just 
sort of you being open and honest with me. Everybody has something, right? right. I think from that perspective, it was like, you know, so yeah, everybody's going to have something with them. There, there is no ideal or average or perfect or anything like that, right? So sure. you shared that with me. I looked it up and it didn't inhibit my desire to meet you in person, Right. Right. So that was the, I guess, the conversation before our first date. Yes. And it was just a little background to it and it was fine. Right. Yeah. I want to thank you for taking the time to look that up because that's always very meaningful to me. A lot of people don't take the time to understand. And I think that scored you some points early on in the game that you did take the time to look it up and understand me and understand what I was experiencing at a deeper level. So thank you for that. I really don't even understand how somebody would not look it up. And, you know, you mentioned in the introduction the whole ghosting phenomenon, which is very much a a modern thing. It's a really distasteful, you know, almost cruel thing to do. I agree. I agree. And that's one of many reasons I love you, because you have a big heart and you're empathetic and you're just a kind person. So do you think I should have shared that so early on or should I have waited? I think you shared it at an appropriate time. I would have probably been upset if you shared it like three or four dates in. Yeah. Right? So, you know, is it the first thing you say? Probably not. I don't think it's something you say in text or in your bio. I think it's a conversation either in person or on the phone. And when you have like a a meaningful connecting kind of cadence, which I think we had. Yes, we certainly did. Right. Our two-hour conversation was our first conversation and then it was... uh just came very naturally from there. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of inseparable after our first date. Right. So there are plenty of other healthy op- healthier options for women to pick from on Tinder and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Why is it that you picked me and that you stay with me? So it's interesting because like, obviously I love you now, but that was not the reason then, right? Right. So like, you know, like knowing everything, you know, if there's 10... 20 different characteristics of somebody you have all of them that I love and you know, maybe put the chronic illness in one bucket for a second right? Right, right so sure nobody goes out saying okay I want somebody with chronic illness right of course so but you had everything else and we were connecting on so many levels that it was certainly worth it to me to get to know you better yeah. and you know I've mentioned before everybody has something right there's Absolutely. always something with somebody be it male pattern baldness that some people like and some people don't like, right, for me, or if it's back pain or if it's some people have really bad addictions, right? Like there's somebody always has something with them that other people are not going to enjoy or like, right? They're workaholics. They spend too much. Mm -hmm. They whatever, you know, so that's just one aspect of the person and it's never defined you. It's certainly come up, right? Of course. Right? It's certainly affected uh, you know, I'd, I'd get a phone call in the afternoon that you were in the hospital, right? So I would leave work to come visit you in the hospital, right? <laughs> yes. And that wasn't that, you know, you're not expecting that. Sure, no, right? of course. But, and I, I know we'll get into this a little bit more, but it wasn't in the context of how we were meeting. It was something I was willing to learn about more and you never let it be an excuse for anything and you never let it define you. It was just another part of the beautiful tapestry that was Bonnie. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So certainly, you know, you mentioned hospital visits and there have been many other adventures with Bonnie Mm -hmm. through our dating. (laughs) Was there ever a time, honey, when you thought that it was just too much? No, never. I'm I'm trying to think. I'm pausing for a second because I'm wondering if I ever got even close to that. And there was never a moment when I thought it was too much. And to try to just, you know, revisit for a second like what I was expressing before, your attitude, the way you handle your chronic illness is really attractive. It's really mature. It's very evolved. It's it's something people should want in a partner to have that level of evolution and, and perspective on life. You never were like, woe is me. And when I showed up in the hospital, it wasn't like, where's my gift? It was just right. gratitude to see me there, right? To hold your hand, 100%. right? 100%. It, it was never like about you in a selfish way. And, you know, 20 seconds into it, we're joking, we're laughing, we're, you know, making goofy comments. Absolutely. You know, joking we with the staff. Right. 
Yeah. And that, so it, it didn't become this debilitating thing. It just sort of became this like, okay, the car battery's dead. I left the lights on overnight again. Time to jump the car battery again. Just <laughs> right. something you, you deal with, right? Absolutely, yes. So. so what would you say are the biggest challenges in dating someone like me? Well, I think the biggest challenge you and I have, and it may or may not be related to your chronic illness, you'd have to like help me understand that, is our owl-lark dilemma. Ah, right? yes. So yes. I'm a lark. I like to be up at 4.30 when mm-hmm. gyms were open. I like right. to be in the gym by 5. Exactly. Pre-pandemic. And, right. And you like to be up late sometimes, you know, close to when I'm waking up. That's true. So that's something we've... We actually are still working out, yes. right? We're trying to sync on that and yes. some days and, and, you know, nights are better than others. But I think there's a little bit of adjusting we make. You know, I, I am more active in some things than you. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're certainly super healthy. You like to hike and work out and, you know, do lots of great things in the gym. And yet during this time we've been dating, you know, you've had your hip replaced which right. obviously is not conducive to hiking or running no. or doing anything like that, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, we just adjust accordingly, right? So, like, we took some hikes and I wore a weighted vest and you hiked regularly and that was a great workout for both of us, right? It was, right. It was absolutely perfect. We adapt. So we, we adapt, we adjust that way and that's fine. And I just love your company so much that it, we don't have to do everything together, yeah. right? So, like, I'll go to a boxing class. I know you'll probably not box with me or go to a boxing class with me. And that's fine. It doesn't mean that it's any less of a relationship. And frankly, like, I don't think it would be healthy if we did everything together all the time. Like, everybody needs a little bit of their own time and their own space and their own hobbies. And Absolutely. that's great. And, and we support each other's aspirations to do that. Yes, right? we do. And I love that. I yeah. love that we're able to each do our own things that are important to us and then come together and share what we've done. And right. I think, if anything, it adds more depth to the relationship because if we're doing every single thing together every single day, what can we possibly have to share? Right. Because we already know everything that's happened <laughs> throughout the day because we've been there. So you know, I think one other thing, like you, early on, you couldn't travel. Right. right. And so right. that was a, it was a bigger concern in my head because, you know, I love traveling. Yeah. Right. So I, I've traveled to lots and lots of countries and that was a conversation early on. And you hadn't been on a plane in how many months or oh years my gosh. prior it to us dating? Like, I think three, like three and a half, almost four years right. since I'd been on a plane. And I had a job where I traveled and I wanted to take you with me sometimes. Yes. And so... I guess our first trip was to New York. It was. That was a big outing. That was a big, big deal for you. And we even talked about like going on a smaller trip just to see how you could do it. And we had to drug you up pretty well, which I think (laughs) some of your listeners may may associate with. But, you know, it and we, we changed our routing too, right? Like we wanted to make sure that we accommodated certain times because... Going to the East Coast, you know, you lose a day, frankly, right? Right. And yet you didn't, you didn't like not want to get up early, but we just knew it would be hard for you, right, to Absolutely. get up too early. So oh, always. We, we made sure to adjust our flight, our schedules and timing and budgeted an extra day just for recovery, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that I think initially I was a little bit, not upset, but just like, okay, how do I figure this out? Or how do I figure this out? Right. I have to like add another day on the front end of the trip to yeah. still do what we wanted to do, but you're worth it, right? Like, Aww, you know, you. I love you and our relationship is great and has been great and was great at that time. And so that's just one of those like life accommodations you make. Right. And it's not like I had to stay in the room all day with you and do nothing either. Like right? you needed to rest and recover. And so I was out like running in Central Park or doing whatever. And that's fine. It worked, right? It did. So, it did. Yeah. And and you've been really great at accommodating me and, and just for you know, edification for other people. I mean, I think most people that would listen to this are in the chronic illness community and they understand the trials and tribulations that come with travel at, when you're chronically ill. And it's, you know, the packing in and of itself is exhausting. And then lugging suitcases and then getting on a plane and having to sit crunched up like a ball for five hours is excruciating. Right. And that that's why... Yes, I made myself, I drugged myself so that I could sleep through it. And just that was my, that's my way to get through it and not cry. (laughs) So 
I, uh, yeah, and you were very good at taking care of me when I was in my state of zombiness walking throughout the airport, so. Yeah, and when we took a plane ride later for our first anniversary, right, we yes. went to Jamaica, yes. and there were no direct flights, so we had to route through, it was Houston or some other airport, I think, right. in Texas to get there, and yeah, you were a zombie, <laughs> like, you were, <laughs> you're basically I don't remember sleepwalking, it. right, yeah, right, between I gates. I do remember um, looking through your phone after at your photo roll uh-huh. and seeing a picture of me on the plane with my mouth open, <laughs> completely, completely out of it, so thanks for that, honey. Right, that's not the picture for a Tinder profile. <laughs> So what what would you say, like, if you go back and you think about what was the hardest thing for you to see me go through? So there's a recency bias, right? Which is the hip stuff. So you may have to remind me if there was something even harder than that before, because that, that was a long-ish ordeal, right? Because you were, you were in a lot of pain and then you were using a cane and we went to a variety of doctors for a variety of opinions and then getting it scheduled was a big deal. And then your recovery has been much longer than a, quote, otherwise healthy person would have for recovery, right? right? I'm having a zebra recovery, which is the you know symbol for Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And because my connective tissue is not strong like mm-hmm. it is in people who don't have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, it takes a long time for my body to heal. So Right, exactly. And, and lots of PT appointments in between. Oh, yes. And everything else. So that... That feels to me to be the biggest struggle that we've had. And it's been like six months or longer even, right? Between the original onset of the pain and then the surgery and then the recovery and everything else. Yes. And now we're even a little wobbly with the other hip because Mm -hmm. you might have been favoring that one when your other one was hurting. And so it's probably just a matter of time before that next surgery, right? The next replacement. And at least now we know the expected recovery time. And this is actually making me remember, like, really, you're crying in the hospital videos. Those were painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you're just crying in the hospital. Not like, yeah, there's a video of it. But, like, you really struggled because they wouldn't discharge you because you have steps in your home. Right. right? They wouldn't right. discharge you until you could get up and down the steps. Yes. And that was, like, the afternoon of the surgery, something like that, which on the one hand is incredible that mm-hmm. you can go in and, mm-hmm. and have the, like the ball and socket of your femur and your hip replaced right. and be walking later that day. But yeah, that was that was very, very, very hard to see you really suffering like that. And I, I pause when I say suffering because that's the one thing about you that I think is the most, not just attractive, but astonishing and strong is that even through all your chronic pain, you are not a sufferer, right? Mm-hmm. You don't suffer. You have pain, but you're not suffering. And that's powerful and amazing. And there's no shortage of self-help books and speakers on the topic of like how pain doesn't have to lead to suffering, right? Right. And you seem to have come through that on the other side. And that's that's really, really attractive and inspiring and amazing. And I know I've, I've talked about this before too. Like you're beautiful, obviously, but like the most attractive thing about you, I think is your attitude. Like you're mm-hmm. really, really incredibly positive when most people wouldn't be. Thank you. And that's amazing. Thank you. Welcome. Well, I don't think it was always that way. When I first started getting these diagnoses and things, it was extremely painful. And I had to go through my, my grieving process and my process of denial and all, you know, all, all of the grief steps that you go through. And, you know, then finally come to acceptance, which is where I am now. And, and it is what it is. And I have this one life and I feel like I've been given so many gifts and I'm so grateful for the gifts I've been given. And although I wouldn't wish on anybody having a chronic illness, I believe that it really has resulted in that evolution that you talked about in that kind of maturity and not sweating the small stuff and those kinds of things, because Mm -hmm. I have such a great appreciation for every day that I wake up and that I'm able to walk and that I'm able to get out of the house and do things. And, you know, of course, during COVID times, we're, we're somewhat limited to uh, what we can do outside. But for me, it's like, I, I'm just pleased as punch to go for a walk with you. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm walking and I'm outside and I'm not in a bed. And it's, you know, you just, you just see things very differently. So, yeah. Maybe, you. maybe that's part of the journey too. So if somebody's not at the point of self-acceptance, Right. Right. Then and they are not at the point of Mm self-love. They're probably not in the right state to be dating because I know when I didn't love myself, I'm not the greatest person to date either. 
right? Sure. So that's that's just got to be part of the journey. And when you come through it, like the harder the journey, the sweeter it is on the other side. I'm sure that somebody else has made that really poetic statement. Yeah, something. But like, absolutely. You know, and you're, think- you're great on the other side of it. So I think that's mm-hmm. the, the point is you have to get to a place where you feel good enough about yourself that it's not limiting you. Maybe it is limiting you, but it's not defining you, right? You're not defined by your limitations. You're defined by how well you can overcome those. Right. So I think that's the part that is both important for people with chronic pain or chronic illness to go through and what was and still is most attractive and interesting about you. And I think that that's why we met at the perfect time because mm-hmm. I think I was in a place of much greater peace and self-love and evolution through my journey. And had I met you at a different time, it might not have worked. But mm-hmm. we met at such a great time for both of us and I think we were both ready to give and accept love. And uh, yeah, and you just continue to reassure me each time that I think maybe maybe this is going to be the time when it's too much, this ER visit or this surgery or this procedure. And nope, David just embraces me, all of me, and keeps pulling me in closer, which is a beautiful, amazing thing that I'm incredibly grateful for. So, And you're worth it. And it's it's easy because we get along so beautifully well too. And you just reminded me of the cane because I think the, the cane is an interesting moment, right? Because you were walking around with a cane for a while, yes. right? And I was thinking about how would a 20-something-year-old David responded to going on a date and his date is walking with a cane, right? And 20-something-year-old David would probably have been way too concerned with what everybody else thought about him, right? Who's he walking with her, right? As opposed to the reality is nobody looks most people don't look and care or most people aren't looking because they're self-absorbed sure of the people are looking they don't really care right Right, and certainly nobody cares about me in that scenario right it's just about oh she's got a cane like not that big a deal so you know and i didn't think for a second that that would be an issue for me but i think it was just interesting to like step out and observe it right Mm -hmm. in a mindful way to see what the scenario was and we didn't hesitate going anywhere just like the physical limitation, sure. No, we right? really didn't. We but, went to concerts and shows, and yeah. Yeah, but we didn't. We didn't. We didn't go on our Amazon fa- Amazon uh, factory tour, uh, right? Because that was too much walking. That would have been too much, right? But we didn't. We still went out to places, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't oh. like. Oh, I don't want to be seen like that, you know, with the camera, right. right? So we we got past that, which was great, and it didn't limit us. So that was good. And maybe that's just a function of us being a little bit more mature and older ourselves. Right. And I think also, you know, there were, when I first got the cane, I was embarrassed to step out of the Mm -hmm. house with it, but I had to get over myself and I am far from perfect and I can be comfortable in accepting that and going out of the house, not looking perfect. And if I have my cane, you know, I'm lucky to have that cane because it gives me the ability to walk where Mm -hmm. otherwise I'd be stuck in the house. So it's actually a great thing. So David, I know, my gosh, you have learned a ton of medical terminology (laughs) and you've learned about different medical procedures and tests and and conditions and oh my gosh and mast cell you're like activation a, and comorbidity and yes. costochondritis and all sorts of fun <laughs> now stuff you're right showing, now you're showing off oh, thank you <laughs> yeah you're showing off so what would you say though beyond all of the medical terms and procedures and all that what have you learned about someone living with chronic illness that you maybe didn't know before i think i've i think there's two answers to this like one is what i've learned and what i didn't know too. So I've learned just like the real value of compassion. And I think you've made me a more compassionate person overall, right? And because you don't, you don't know anybody's life until you've lived it or seen them live it, right? So, you know, how can we all be just a little bit more compassionate to anybody and everybody around us, especially now, because, you know, the world needs it. Yes. And I think I probably underestimated the strength that you could gain coming through a different perspective on that. You know, I didn't, I think I didn't appreciate, this was a really interesting thing you said to me. You were worried when you got your pacemaker. You were you were concerned that, you know, like a man wouldn't love you if you had this big, um, whatever, round battery or something right. sticking out of your chest, right? Yes, yes. Um, and maybe you were just teasing or being facetious or something like that because like it's such an inconsequential, silly, small thing. Like, of course I love you. And yeah, you have this, circular plate sticking out of your chest, which means that if you wear a certain dress, 
you know, it can't be one of those strapless shoulder dresses. Or it on, can. Or it can. And it was, right? Like yeah. we wore that at right. an event. We and did. you know, yeah, you used to wear, I think you still wear, you know, your hair over that just out of habits, right. right? To cover it. Right. But sometimes you show it loud and proud and it's all great and fantastic and yep. whatever. It's just, it's not, it just, these things don't become that big a deal or they yeah. become not that big of a deal once you have it and you learn to live with it and it doesn't define you. I mean, that's just kind of the recurring theme here, right? Mm-hmm. Is it is it doesn't define you. I do want to mention just one thing quickly on the whole dating thing. Like I do believe there's somebody for everybody and dating is awkward and uncomfortable, especially when it's like the second time around for people after they're divorced. And many of us don't have good references because like, you know, my parents are divorced, certainly, right? My mm-hmm. first marriage ended in a divorce. Right. So where's my healthy relationship role models? It's certainly not TV, right? <laughs> no. It's, it's certainly not Hannah and Peter. Um, <laughs> not <the laughs> last bachelor, season's Bachelor, no, the Bachelor, definitely right? Definitely not The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. So um, there's a certain, I think, awkwardness in dating too, because you're not sure how to talk to each other. People bring different levels of dating experience to the conversation. You You don't want to be really good at it. Because what does that mean? You're a player. You're like, you're great at dating, but not good at being in a long-term relationship. That's right. always awkward and weird. So give us the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Like we're awkward. This is awkward for all of us. It's unusual, right? And the the online dating thing is kind of weird. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you approach every meeting or conversation, like this is just another human being I'm going to have a conversation with. If there's not a spark at the end, great. No worries. Like we had a, a really nice 30-minute meaningful conversation. And if it's not a nice, meaningful conversation for 20 or 30 minutes, then you're certainly not meant to be with each other, right? right? You shouldn't you shouldn't be worried or upset that it didn't go well. You should be super, super grateful that you only invested 20 or 30 minutes. Exactly. Right? And what did you learn? Every experience you have, you take something away from. And whether that you frame that as something positive or negative, you're always going to learn and grow and make a better choice going forward. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing this is reminding me of. It was mm-hmm. a podcast um, interview. And the the message has been brought up a lot, but it was between um, Brene Brown and the most recent Surgeon General, and forgive me for not remembering his name, right. and he was talking about uh, loneliness and mm. how it's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day Yes, and the power of love as healing. And so I think even going in and seeing you in your various states of pain and different conditions, our love together has like helped that healing. It truly does. I mean, you know, it's funny, even on days when I'm having a really high pain day or, you know, something's really just going bad. Mm -hmm. When I see you Mm -hmm. and, you know, you put your arms around me, it's like it takes my pain level down several notches. And it's it's really pretty amazing, actually. It's it's if someone had told me that, I don't know if I'd believe it, but I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And truly love is healing. And it and not only that, but it gives me the energy and the will to really want to continue to fight for my health and to continue to go on this journey of regaining wellness so that I can spend the next, you know, hundred or so years with you. Right. Doing as long all as we kinds get of bit things. by vampires, right? We want that vampire thousand year right. romance. <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah, and then you can, you know, take the zombie all over the, the world on the plane and you know <laughs> Carry me through the airport if necessary, but you know, when we get to the destination, I'm usually somewhat coherent. Yeah, after a day. After a night of rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And 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 by the way, when you were talking about when we went to New York, that first trip for mm-hmm. me, which was like like a butterfly leaving the cocoon. I mean, I I'd been confined to just Arizona and I'd taken a couple of road trips to California for several years. And mm-hmm. I'm someone that's traveled internationally a lot. So that was such a big deal for me to be able to get out of that little space again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things that we did to make it work was you were you were there on a work trip. So you were working all day. Right. Which gave me time to just essentially sleep for the great majority of the day. And then I would go to the gym. And, you know, fitness is very, very important to mm-hmm. my, you know, controlling my pain. That's something that's always been really important to me. And, you know, giving me energy and clarity and all those things. So it was kind of the perfect situation where you were out doing your thing during the day. And then I got to rest and take care of Bonnie and do my self-care and my meditation and all of those things. And then when you came back, I was ready to go out in the evening because that's my high energy time. Right. So it was it was like the perfect vacation and the perfect, you know, we made it just work out really, really well. But that doesn't like have to define all of our trips too. Like that, yeah. that was, I think, convenient 
Yes. Especially for your first trip because it gave you the extra hours in the morning to rest that you needed. Mm-hmm. But like when we went to Jamaica, we I wasn't working certainly, right? Like we no, hung out. It was total no. vacation the entire time. And, you know, yeah, you slept in some mornings, but that was time yeah. I would, whatever, go for a run or mm-hmm. work out or scuba or something like that. And then we had the afternoons and evenings together and it was great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, David, there's a lot of people out there, and I know it because I see them on the Facebook message boards and stuff, and they talk about being worried about putting themselves out there and dating again. And what would you tell someone that's thinking about putting themselves out there and exploring dating again? What advice would you give them if they're, they're feeling hesitant? It will be hard. It's like a job search, right? You got to do your resume, which for me is hard, right? Like my company got bought last year. So I was looking for another job and I don't like doing my resume and it takes a long time and you want to make it perfect. And I worked with different resume coaches and I got completely contradictory advice from each of them, right? Like completely opposite advice. I went down some interviews with some companies and I got ghosted by a company. Right. Right? Remember that? Yes, I do remember that. that. The the most unprofessional experience I've ever had in my life. It was just Mm. like absurd. So it's, it's a hard process. It will be hopefully not painful, but like, yeah, there will be disappointments. Sure. And it's like a job search or any other search. It's on the one hand, a numbers game. On the other hand, it requires work. Like there is no magic knight who's going to knock on the door and come in when you're having a pity party and say, here I am for you, right? You've got to like work on yourself and be really great and put the time in mm-hmm. and then work out the numbers. And yeah, there may be fewer people who are going to make it to the next round. Like they might filter you out because of chronic illness. Or we might filter them out. Or you may filter even better, right? You filter them out. Just as much, I think, have that opportunity because, you know, it's just as important. We can't just take the first person that's willing to put up with us or accept us, right? It's like as a person with chronic illness, we we also have that chance to say, hey, you know, I'm looking for stuff too. And these things Mm -hmm. are important to me too. So I just want to make sure my my listeners know they they have a say in this too. It's a two-way street. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. I think maybe, you know, online dating might even help because you can filter faster. Like mm-hmm. there's more numbers you can go through quickly and make sure they they meet whatever criteria you're going to put in place. And again, it's a, it's a delicate conversation as to when to have the conversation about the illness. And right. maybe it is the third phone call in or second phone call in or first coffee date or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably not the very first one. Just check yeah. the chemistry first, right? And then it's it's after that. But you just have to put in the work. And I think what's as important as the work that you have to put through like for doing your resume or doing whatever is the work you go through as an individual to be ready to date and to see yourself as worthy of the love right and worthy of dating and if you can't get through that then you need to solve that problem first before you can date right so glad you said that i i was actually going to chime in if you hadn't (laughs) said that but like many times you are in my head and we kind of share the same brain (laughs) And his isn't as foggy as mine, though. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the time of the day. Exactly. But usually, yeah, depends on the time of the day. But usually mine's a little foggier than his. But yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, you really have to be in a position where you feel a strong enough love for yourself that you're willing to accept that someone truly does love you, despite of, because of everything that you are, including your illness. That's part of the package. So I think you you need to be ready to put yourself out there before you do. Yeah. It's like you you meditate every morning, right? Uh You have this ritual of self-care. I do. It's it's something only enlightened people do, right? Right. Right. And that's attractive, Mm -hmm. right? That's something I admire because I think I could benefit from that practice, yet I haven't been able to integrate it into my life yet. So you're demonstrating characteristics and qualities that I admire and Perhaps people on a chronic illness journey would do those kind of things as well as a way of managing their chronic illness. Kind of the way anybody who goes through any 12-step has to do it. Like you get to a level of enlightenment, right? All of us have vices or Mm -hmm. or things we're wrestling with through our lives, right? Right. And getting through it is a big deal, Mm -hmm. right? You, You fear the people who still have anger issues or still have gambling addictions or still have this or that, right? Or are still going out and partying when they're a father with three kids and they're going out partying with their buddies on the weekend and they should be playing with their kids, right? Right. Like you want people who have been through those things, yeah. right? And, and grown through it and matured through it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've come through 
some setbacks, right? Some pain sure. that have been debilitating. So, I mean, that, that gives you a, a really incredible appreciation for life that a lot of people don't have that take things for granted and you don't take anything for granted, right? Your gratitude practice, like you, you call me out at dinner or other times, right? Like, what are you grateful for today? Especially if like I'm getting upset about something, right? Right. It's if, some... you, if I see you slipping into that negative place, I'm like, okay, David, well, tell me what you're grateful for. Exactly. So you like, yeah. you help coach me out of it, which mm-hmm. is great and strong and powerful and amazing. And maybe that's something that people with chronic illness have as a gift to share with others. Yeah, I think, you know, and it's funny because I went through several major traumatic things in my life before I finally conceded to meditating and doing a lot of other self-care things. I, you know, my affirmations and my gratitude journaling and all the things that I do on a daily basis. And I think that sometimes we need to reach a certain level of pain before we're willing to concede to giving in and doing those things and taking that time because we're so busy, go, 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 that we don't want to stop. But when we realize that, you know, in my case, my body just stopped, it wouldn't keep going anymore. And I needed to stop and I needed to slow down. I needed to do those things. And it really, it did enlighten me. I I became, and I continue. I mean, I'm a constant learner and I'm constantly looking for ways to improve myself and ways to keep my mindset in the right place because mindset is also so important for Mm -hmm traveling down this path. I mean, it's not an easy path to go through. I'm not going to lie. It's mm-hmm. definitely hard, but it's all perspective. So yeah. Well said. Yeah. Thank you. So David, do you see any benefits to dating someone with chronic illness? Namely me. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> um, you know, I think we alluded to this, but it's, is it the fact that you have chronic illness or is it the fact that you have come to a place where you can manage your chronic illness and everything that it it causes you to do in your life consequently, right? Mm -hmm. So is it a benefit that you have illness? No, right? Right. Is it it a benefit that you have evolved and grown through this process? Yes. And that's, again, like incredibly attractive, incredibly sexy about you is that you have gotten through this place where you've gotten through what could potentially be a pity party, woe is me. And I, I often say about you, like, the, the, you know, you're beautiful for sure, but like the most attractive thing about you is your attitude, right? You're in pain, but you do not suffer. I've never seen you be a sufferer in any way, shape or form. And so that's just, that's incredible. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what? I want to backtrack and ask you one other thing to sure. add a little levity to this conversation. Okay. Not that, you know, we always have fun, but... I tend to be a little like clumsy and (laughs) I tend to uh, be a little bit of an airhead at times. Mm -hmm. And these are things that they're part of me and they're, you know, I know now, I know now why those things are. I know why they Mm -hmm. happen. I know it's because I have poor proprioception because with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, you know, I, I don't always see everything around me. So it's not uncommon for me to bang my head on your trunk like two times in the same day or... You know, oh, I think there was one day where I spilled a bottle. I like dropped a full bottle of teriyaki, teriyaki sauce in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. that was funny. Yeah. And David so patiently sat there with me and cleaned up the whole mess and didn't complain and didn't get mad. And which is such a gift for me because I've been in a relationship where the opposite was true. Mm. And it was so refreshing that, you know, with all my goofiness and my clumsiness and my spaciness and all of the, the little things that come in this this package called Bonnie, you just seem to still accept me. But, you know, you have to admit there's some funny there's some funny stories that happen. And one of the techniques I have for coping with all of it is I just have to laugh at myself sometimes. I mean, I'm a goof and I'm a klutz and I own that 100%. So can you think of any like funny stories that you want to share about something really goofy I might have done at some point? Which week? (laughs) Which moment? (laughs) Which day? Which hour? So it wasn't two weeks ago when you bopped your head in your condo and you were like picking something (gasps) up. That was a hard one. That was a heavy one, right? On your counter. Yeah, that was bad. So we won't go there. But I guess like every other week or something. But the most recent (laughs) funny one was Beat Saber, um, where you were playing that. And you whacked the fan in the room. Was that it? I did. Yes. So that was, this is a great game for people that don't know. So this is an Oculus, um, which is the VR headset game, virtual reality. And you have these lightsabers in your hands and these cubes come at you based on the beat or the cadence of the song, right? And you swing to try to slash them. 
And Bonnie was having a grand old time flailing. (laughs) (laughs) Until. Right, exactly. Yeah, until I flung my hand up and Mm -hmm. hit my hand on the moving ceiling fan and uh, broke some skin. But I think it's... It's pretty much healed by now, so... Didn't you whack me in the head yesterday, too, or the day before? <laughs> I think you did. It's, it's really hard to keep track sometimes. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, we could write a daily diary of Bonnie's mishaps. It's adorable. And especially when we're going on hiking, I'm like, like, watch your head. <laughs> Often, anytime we're near a tree or a branch or something like that. I think in the chicken coop, you popped your head a few times, too. Right. Well, and uh, I can think of one that just happened today, actually. So I'll tell you guys a little secret. This is our second time recording this. <laughs> Because we recorded it earlier today, and I realized that I didn't have my microphone set to record. So it was actually recording on the computer, which does not have nearly the sound quality as my professional podcasting microphone. <laughs> Plus, the fans were spinning, and yeah. It wasn't oh yeah, it was just it was just horrible. It was right. like you know there may as well have been a train coming through. So we listened to it, and we tried to manipulate the audio. And then I looked at David, and I said, "Do you still love me?" And he's like, "Of course, that's ridiculous. Of course, I still love you." But you know, these are the things I do. I you know, it's all cylinders are not always firing. So. And David's learned to, David knows I'm smart, but David also knows that I'm spacey and that there's days when I may not seem very smart, but he knows that at the end of the day, the smart girl's going to come back. So yeah. So And and everything comes from you from a place of goodness, right? Like mm-hmm. you always assume good intent with everybody all the time. You You don't have any ill will in you. So like, yeah, we have to re-record something. Oh, well. Right? Yeah. It's funny. It's adorable. It's not like you're not like upset about it, right? It's well, just, and, and the fact that you're not yeah. upset about it is even better. Why am I going to be upset about it? What what possible know. benefit is that to either of us? You're right. right? And I think we've that's something we both live by. And yeah. I don't know if that's how you were before, you know, we started our relationship or if it's something that maybe, you know, you've learned through dating somebody who just doesn't sweat the small stuff or what. No, but, you've, you've made me an order of magnitude better than I was. Aww. Like, yeah, you, you I just seem like I was fishing there. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> How many more compliments do you want today? But I think that's the sign of a beautiful relationship. Like I honestly, you know, used to be jealous of people who had these beautiful, great relationships. Mm-hmm. And now I think, you know, we're blessed and lucky. We have a great relationship. And we I see are. other people yeah. look around and like, wow, you guys get along really well. You're really cute together, right? That's you really true. love each other. It's, it's visible. It's obvious. And it like yeah. helps when we walk in a room, like it uplif- uplifts other people. And people right? tell us that. Yeah, I mean, which I love. We've gone several places where complete strangers have been like, oh my gosh, you guys are so adorable together mm-hmm. and you're you're just so perfect for each other and you make us smile and we love that because both of us are people that have, you know, I'm not the only one that has good intent and kindness in my heart. I mean, I love David because he also is like that and David always likes to make people laugh and smile and I think together we do that all the time and it's just really a beautiful thing, so... Yay, us. <laughs> Yay, us. And Yay, I'm, us. I, we found each other. I mean, that was great. And it's, it's worth going through however many people you have to to find something like this, right? right. And someone like each of us. Absolutely. For each other. Yeah. Absolutely. So, honey, the rapid fire is not going to be quite as surprising as it was in the first <laughs> in the first rendition here. Hopefully but my um, answers will be more coherent, though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe a little, a little, little more thought out. But mm-hmm. um, this next thing I'm going to do is the rapid fire section. And that's where I'm going to throw some... Fill in the blanks at you. And if you could just fill in the blank with like a word to a sentence. Mm -hmm. And here we go. Okay. Dating someone with chronic illness is. Amazing and educational. Okay. Yeah. If I could make one of Bonnie's symptoms disappear, it would be. It's not your klutziness because that's adorable. Um, (laughs) I, wow. The hip pain is a lot of it, I think. But you know what? I think it's the sleeping pain too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you have trouble falling asleep and you're oftentimes in pain when you try to sleep and everybody needs sleep. And it's, I feel I'm in pain watching you try to get to sleep sometimes. And you have to like uplift like this part of your body with a pillow or this and, you know, we'll do massages or whatever, but like you shouldn't have to be in pain, right? Like falling asleep shouldn't be getting over a pain threshold in order to fall asleep. It's almost like you pass out because you're so exhausted. Right. So if, if like, if I could take away your pain that way, that would be it. Yeah. Right. 
Thank you. And by the way, when you say a symptom, pain yeah. can be a symptom. So if you just like, sure. if you ever do get that magical wish okay. and you get to take away one of my symptoms, you can just say pain. Okay. You don't have to specify. Mm-hmm. And then that way, like all of the pain goes away. So okay, I just want it. to make sure that if you're ever granted that one wish that, that you use it well. Well, I'd <laughs> ask for more wishes, right? That's also true. <laughs> Next rapid fire thing here. So I wish people would understand that chronic illness is more pervasive than they think and not as restrictive it doesn't it doesn't have to define or restrict somebody's life as much as they may fear there are ways to work through it and around it adapting yep like we do Mm -hmm. and the last one i wish people would understand that chronic illness is not chronic illness is not something that makes somebody less in fact it can be a gift it, it's it's a test and some people will pass the test and emerge on the other side better right right and and more actualized and more of who they were meant to be and so you know you were spectacular when I met you and finding you now like fulfilling your purpose like that's been a beautiful journey to be on together right it and has it, it was. Truly. You know, there, there was always this, I think, a little bit of awkward uncomfortableness when we were together somewhere and somebody says, so what do you do? Right. right? Like you've never, you've never been super comfortable responding to that question because a lot of times it was in the context of a business thing or a party with other professionals. The majority and blah, blah, blah. of my life, yeah. Right, exactly. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, you can only say, well, I used to do this part, right? I used to manage a billion dollar or something or other, right? So... But now you're you're much more content and complete in that response, and it's not it's not something to be embarrassed about. It's something great, right? right. Like you have a purpose, you have a mission, and you're helping people who have chronic illness, which yes. is a beautiful, great thing. Which I yeah, and I'm so grateful for you know your encouragement throughout this process mm-hmm. and being able to start this podcast and I plan to do more things like eventually write a book and build a chronically courageous community online that people can come to and share stories and things like that. And you're super fun. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Like nothing about Thank this. You. Like, yeah, we, it, our relationship is different than I think a lot of people, right? right. It's not like we're running buddies or something like that, right? I think right? in a good way. I in think, a great way. It's a yeah, fantastic it's, thing. Like There's we, so much depth. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We go to concerts. We laugh. We sing. We do all sorts of fun, goofy things, right? We have some epic conversations. All the time. All the time. Absolutely. Lots yeah. of passion. Mm-hmm. Lots of passion for life and for each other and and for helping people. Mm-hmm. So that's something we share in common. So my darling, is yes, there anything love. else, love, that you would like to share or hmm. contribute here? Uh, beyond how much I love you? If you have something beyond how much you love me. You know, I think in the first time we recorded this, uh-huh. <laughs> we talked about something we should slip in here too, right. which is that like you've never asked me to limit myself or my uh, traveling or things like that too, right? Right. Like we talked about um, Kilimanjaro, like I, I climbed that last year and that's not something that is ever in the cards for you, right? Correct. So nor is Antarctica likely. Probably not. Right. And and some of the other, you know, crazy things I still want to do. Yes. Um, but you've never asked me to not do anything like that. Right. And True. so I think that that encouragement is also really wonderful because I haven't always had that. Like I've, I've been in situations where I felt bad or I was led to feel bad or made to feel bad because I wanted to do something and I couldn't include somebody in it because they couldn't do it. And so somehow I was wrong for that. And that just... That stank. That was horrible, right? Yeah. It's a really, really terrible way to live your life where you mm-hmm. don't feel like you can do the things you want to do because somebody else is frankly being selfish. Right. And you're the antithesis of that. Aww. So that is, that's beautiful and great and I'm grateful. And that's what makes us a great relationship too. Is like, we'll be able to do great things together. And there are some things I'm going to do and other things you're going to do. That we're right. not going to do with each other, and that's fine. And that that doesn't take away anything from our relationship. I think it just makes it better. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it makes it more interesting. I think if you do everything together all day long, mm-hmm. how boring is that? Because what are you going to have to share at the end of the day? I mean, you, you, there's nothing like new or interesting. How was your day? Well, I don't know. It was the same as yours because right. I was there with you every <laughs> second day. of it. Yeah. So I think it's. I think it adds a level of interest and I never, ever, ever want to hold you back from anything that you want to do. I always want to support 
the, your, your dreams and your, you know, whatever you traveling you want to do and adventures you want to take as long as you're safe about them. Mm-hmm. I fully support and endorse your your craziness. Was there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap? Um, you have been worth waiting for and searching for and finding. And I didn't honestly both know what great true love was like until you. And I think I had feared or even resigned myself to not being able to experience that. And so that's been... It's been amazing on so many levels and something I really, truly want for other people. And I'm, I'm positive it's out there. It just takes the, the personal growth you need to do to get to a place where you're open to it and can find it. And it takes work and time and effort and saying no to the people along the way that are not good for you. Right? Thank you. Yes. And I agree. I could not have found a better partner than the one I found in you. We are definitely met for one another, mm-hmm. and we have an amazing romantic relationship, an amazing friendship. Mm-hmm. We laugh together, we dream together. We, you know, you we record podcasts together. We record podcasts <laughs> together. We support each other in each other's, you know, anything we want to do, and just lift each other up and make each other better people. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really, really super grateful for that. And I'll tell you, anyone out there listening, that has been hesitating to get into the dating world, or if you're in a relationship where you don't feel like you're getting treated the way that you deserve to be treated, just know that you are worthy. And while we may not have some of the things that we used to have or that other people have to offer, like you know financial wealth or you know other, other things that people who don't deal with chronic illness may have to contribute, we do have a lot of things that we bring to the party. And one of those big things is is love and the life experience that we've had through our chronic illness and the growth that we've experienced. And we have a lot to teach and a lot to share and a lot to give with other people. So when you're thinking about that and thinking about your self-worth and what you deserve in this world, please think about that because you are worthy and you deserve love and you deserve not just anybody, but you deserve to be treated with complete dignity and acceptance and embraced for every piece of you that you are not, not just the part that you maybe, you know, put on the makeup and go outside and try to look perfect. But those days when you're in the hospital bed and you just, you need someone who's going to be there and let you cry on them and accept you and love you through it all. So that is going to wrap it up for this week, everyone, my friends. I love you all so much and stay well and keep looking for that person that you deserve in your life because you do deserve it. I love you. It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at thechronicallycourageous.com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.